And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. Well, 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 it's that time, folks. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. I am coming at you live, folks, here on the really real deal. America's big dog for talk radio. And, uh, hey, we have an absolutely fantastic guest coming up at 420. And uh, you're definitely going to want to stick around. And uh, now he's going to come on as anonymous. But um, I, I can certify that this gentleman, he's a very dear friend and mentor uh, to me, has been for almost 10 years and uh, an expert in strategic indirect warfare and uh, many, many, many other things. And uh, so I look, I'm looking forward to that one. OK, but to start the program, uh, big news in Alabama. Uh, as, as many of you know, I'm a very, very big, uh, pro-life advocate. And, uh, when our governor Ralph Northam sought to imitate those wicked Democrats up there in New York, who they, they codified into law their, uh, bill allowing aborticide, uh, you know, really up past birth, which you would call infanticide. Okay. And then lit up the state capitol and in the, uh, you know, the um, Empire State Building lit them up with with pink lights. OK, kind of like Obama when he uh, got some homo Nazi legislation passed. They, they lit the White House with rainbow colors. This is how these people are. OK, gender confusion and sex is for everything except making babies. OK. And so when 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 there is a baby uh, being made, uh, you know, they want to encourage Aborticide, okay? Don't want to create new Americans. Don't want to create new Christians. Don't want to create new Westerners. Oh no. Want to kill those, okay? And but import into this country people that are malleable and are not schooled in the American way of life. Okay? And so but you know, in our in our second segment when my guest comes on, we're gonna that's gonna tie into you know, this paper that he wrote titled, Can We Not Hear Them? Okay. In other words, there are people that are telling you, people that are telling me, people that are telling the nation, people that are telling the nitwit Republicans and people that are telling these wicked Democrats that run this country. They are telling them we want to destroy America. Okay. And they didn't just start saying it in the last 10 years. Okay. They've been saying it for a very, very, very long time. So we're going to get into all of that. But this, this situation down in Alabama, 25 to six folks. Okay. I didn't look, I didn't realize we had states in this country that were that Republican. Okay. 25 to six was the Senate vote. Okay. To approve uh, this bill in, uh, in Alabama that, 
they're planning for this to be challenged in the courts, of course. I mean, if if, if Republicans pass a bill, say we're going to call the sky blue, you know, there's a Democrat that's going to challenge it and there's a judge that's going to, you know, put an injunction. Oh, no, you can't call the sky blue. I mean, this is how ridiculously wicked these people are. OK, there's no good thing we can say. We in the Christian conservative constitutional capitalistic coalition, there's no good thing we can say that the Dem- Democrats, they're not going to twist it and tell their unthinking masses. Oh, they only did that because they hate brown people. They hate black people. They hate children. They hate women. They hate clean air and they hate clean water. Okay, one of the Democrats in Alabama, one of the senators, one of the six that was on the losing side, he said that when this bill was passed yesterday, what what the Republicans actually did was they raped the women of Alabama. Those those were those were his exact words. They raped women. Okay, and so last time I checked, folks, it's Republicans that in the case of a man being found guilty of rape. It's Republicans that want to punish him harshly. And the last time I checked, it's Democrats that want to slap him on the wrist and maybe send him off to counseling, which happens in, you know, as a matter of fact, I think it was it was one of the um, New England states. I forget which state it was, uh, but a, a, a man that was charged with raping a woman and he had been uh, incarcerated for about two months before his trial came up. And uh, at the trial, the judge gave him time served. Okay, and then after that, he had to have two years of counseling. Okay, so and Republicans were aghast at that. But never mind truth. Never mind truth. Okay, that Republicans will see that in these cases where men misbehave with women and children are produced, that the that the innocent the the the, the innocent one. Well, many times the woman is innocent, but all the time, all the time, the baby is innocent. The baby is innocent. So Christians and Republicans want to protect innocent life and want to punish guilty life. Democrats want to do the opposite. They want to protect guilty life because why? They know these guilty people, they nine times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100. These people, they vote Democrat, so they're protecting their voter base. Bernie Sanders wants the ones that are even convicted and in prison to have the right to vote. Well, wonder who they're going to vote for. They're not going to vote Republican. Most of them, I mean, there are probably a few that, since they've been in prison, have learned from their mistake. And, you know, maybe they're educating themselves or they, you know, have, have come to a knowledge of God uh, or in other words, they are in an institution because it's called the correction system. So maybe some of them have actually been corrected and probably if they were given the right to vote, would vote Republican. But for the most part, the gamble that the Democrats are making is that these would be Democrat voters, just like the people they bring into this nation to replace the people that never, ever get to grow up attain the age of 18 and get the right to vote. They never get that opportunity because the Democrats have taught people that it's preferable to have uh, to commit a border side against that baby if everything's not perfect. 
Okay, if you don't, if you're not already married, you're not having the the perfect number of babies. You already have a career. Everything is perfect now. Then and only then you want to go ahead and have the baby. But oh no, if it's going to interrupt with your life one iota, okay, then you should commit aborticide because heaven forbid someone be inconvenienced, okay, because they're pregnant. Heaven forbid in you know in these. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because these are people that, for the most part, don't even believe in heaven or hell. Okay, they don't believe in God. These are people that believe in themselves. They believe in power, and that's all they believe in. But this is this is big. What's happening down there in Alabama? And it's this, you know. And I understand Pat Robinson. I don't know what's wrong with this old fool. Pat Robinson says, "Oh, the bill went too far." You know, what is it with Christians? What is it with Republicans? What is it with conservatives? We seem to always have to have the circular firing squad. Why can't we just stick together the way the coalition of evil sticks together? These people, this, the communists, the socialists, the fascists, the Democrats, the, the, uh, the Muslim fundamentalists, the atheists, you know, all these hate groups that believe in government power and people being under their boot. They stick together, okay? They don't attack each other. They attack us. What is it going to take for outside, for something as simple and clear-cut as this bill in Alabama, which is designed to go to the Supreme Court as a challenge to Roe versus Wade so that it can then be sent back to the states and then on a state-by-state basis, these different exceptions, like if people want to put in an exception for rape, okay, that can be put in there, which I'm not in agreement with, by the way, because, again, in the case of a rape, the innocent one is the baby. If you have to have blood, have the blood of the man that committed the rape. How many Democrats will be cool with that? Not a single one. We're going to take a quick break, folks, and when we come back, we're going to have a guest. And again, my guest, he's a dear friend and mentor. He's coming on as an anonymous American. And the article that he's written is, Can We Not Hear Them? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. No matter what language you say it in, this is Man's World Radio. And that, that's the Italian version of the James Brown classic. It's a man's world. And it's a man's world guest, uh, a big dog guest we have. And uh, as I was sharing with you in, the, in my opening, uh, this gentleman is a very dear friend and mentor to me. And uh, uh, a gentleman that I've known for almost 10 years. But uh, today he is going to be an anonymous American. So I'm going to have to call him Brother Doc. So, Brother Doc, how are you? Well, he's still vertical. 
Oh, okay. That's a good thing. And uh, and I see you still uh, working your magic with words. This paper that you've written is a, is a really, really great paper here. Can we not hear them? And I actually read a little bit of it to the audience uh, yesterday uh, towards the end of the program. And uh, but uh, let me just throw it on to you, because, you know, we 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 I want to give you as much time as possible to uh, share with the audience, uh, you know, you know, and share as much of your background as you're willing to share. Now, I've already told them you're an expert in strategic indirect warfare. And uh, now don't tell them too much because we might have to shoot them if you if you say too much. <laughs> Well, I hope I don't let you down. Uh, I'm not much. I've never been much. Oh, no. But the folks around me have been pretty good. I'll say that for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a better man because of what I've learned from (laughs) you over the years. And I've been telling folks for years, they think I'm smart. I tell them, look, I'm just handing off the baton. Someone smarter than me put it in my hand. Well, that's always the case. Yeah. We always, and that's the first line of what we're trying to say here. Is uh, listening used to mean to give heed or to pay close attention for the purpose of hearing and better understanding. Mm-hmm. And yet today we don't seem to listen. We get a lot thrown at us, and maybe that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We get so much thrown at us that we just push it aside. But. Uh, What I'd really like to get people to do is possibly pick up this paper, take a look at it, and the only reason I wrote it was to try to better understand what was going on today and to get a better grip on it. And I had the time to sit down and do it, so I sat down and took a look at what I could find. Mm -hmm. And this is the product that came out of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one of the things you talk about is that we you don't have to know you're at war to be at war. And, uh, you know, one of the things you've studied over the years uh, is strategic indirect warfare. Yeah. So uh, for the newbies in the audience, I talk about this all the time, but for the newbies in the audience, would you like to give them a thumbnail sketch of what you mean by strategic indirect warfare? Well, I can give a quick look here. And again, I'll pick up the paper and just read to you. It includes armed force and unarmed force, military and non-military actions, and employs overt and covert uh, tactics waged over by a coalition of technologically advanced adversaries working independently and in coordination as the opportunity to attack presents itself. Mm-hmm. What I like to use in as an analogy, and it's an imperfect analogy, but it's a three-dimensional chess game mm-hmm. with independent opponents moving their pieces at the different levels of that chess game as the opportunity presents itself to attack the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we we fought major powers in World War II that they were united, uh, Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, Imperial Japan. These were not backwater uh, third world countries. These were technologically 
advanced nations. And so we had to create our own coalition in order to defeat them and even had to partner with uh, an an adversary nation, uh, Russia, who saw Germany as a bigger threat. So going forward, it's obvious the nations that are strategic adversaries of ours, China, the Muslim world, and of course, the Muslim world was with uh, not the Nazis and, and, and uh, all of those in World War II. But now the Muslims against us, they're much more technologically advanced and more powerful than they were in World War II. And they're really smelling themselves. So how do you see it playing out going forward? Um, you know, could we expect... Uh, one of the two major powers, Russia or China, to view the Muslim world as a bigger threat than us and and maybe side with us to defeat this potentially bigger threat since both China and Russia have a Muslim problem, just like we do. It's not the size of problem that we can present them. The reason we present a larger problem is our economy. And we can affect the world economy. They can't. Mm-hmm. So they think they that their Muslim problem is easily containable. Whereas in in the United States, you know, what's wrong with Democrats? Do they not see that these 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 um, these radical uh, fundamentalist Muslims mean business when they say they want to take over the world? They mean it. They certainly do. It's in the Koran. Uh, they have two worlds that they live in, the devout Muslim. He lives in uh, Dar al-Harb, or Dar al-Islam, and that means he's living in the world of war, or he's living in the world of Islam, mm-hmm. and there is no in-between. Right, right, right. Yeah, the house of war or the house of Islam. And we are obviously the house of war. So when they come over here talking sweet and nice, you know, that's, you know, what they call stage one civilization jihad, get accepted. That certainly sounds right to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But let's get back to this paper in point where I used Russia as the example. Yeah, yeah. And and their their guy, Bismanov, who defected and and we learned so much of this from his defection to the west we certainly did and uh, find the four phases and to look at what's contained in each of the four phases of uh Bezmanov's disclosures really makes today's events much clearer mm-hmm. it uh, makes it easier for us to see what's really going on yeah yeah, stage one, demoralization, create a new societal design. And many people wonder what's wrong with the millennials, where the millennials are the most recent college graduates. Well, you've got to go all the way back to the early 30s and John Dewey coming out of Columbia University that I like to think of as the little red schoolhouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a famous president that uh, went to Columbia, too. Now, we're we're right up at uh, a break here, our bottom of the hour news break. So could, would you hold over for about three minutes? 
I'd be glad to. Okay. Well, all right, folks, if you're just joining us, this is your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, with my very, very special guest who's written a great paper, and uh, we're just going to call him Brother Doc. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on The Really Real Deal with our very special guest, uh, Brother Doc, who has written a great paper here, Can We Not Hear Them? And uh, thank you again, sir. Well, it's good to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, and now before I the I think br- we were just talking about John Dewey, weren't we? Yeah, Dewey and what he said about um how many years it takes to demoralize a nation was equal to the length of time it took to educate one generation in between 15 and 20 years. Yes, that's exactly right. And I wonder why he said that until I picked up on what Vladimir Lenin had said and he said give me your four-year-olds and then a generation I'll build a socialist state. Mm-hmm. And now, since Dewey started in the 30s, would you say that the first generation that they flipped uh, to, 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 to spearhead this demoralization of America would have been the boomer generation? Well, you've got to think about that. And you've got to think that it isn't going to happen instantaneously. You're going to have to have your crew teaching teachers. Mm-hmm. And then from your crew will come these kids that'll be the generation that you flipped. So, yeah, it'd take about two generations just to produce enough teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and and Francis Fox uh, Piven and, and Richard Cloward, they were sociologists at, uh, what do you call it, the Little Red School, Columbia? <laughs> Little Red Schoolhouse. Yeah, and they turned out a whole lot of communists, didn't they? Well, uh, they certainly did, but so did Dewey, and uh, so did his protégés. Mm-hmm. But Cloward and Priven come up in the second stage, and that's cr- the crisis stage, where you have real crisis and false crisis. Mm-hmm. Real crisis like the crisis at the southern border. Now, Cloward and Piven said, let's overwhelm the public dole. Let's just get everybody we can to get on the public dole, and then we'll burn out the available funds, Mm -hmm. and we'll bankrupt the United States. So for you Democrats out there that may be listening, getting people on the public dole is not because Democrats love the poor. It's it's a strategy to put more people in the wagon than you have pulling the wagon, correct? Exactly right. And following that same thought, where if you can't get enough people to do it within the country, what do you do? Well, you flood the southern border, and you make sure that southern border stays open mm-hmm. so that you can push more and more people into the country who get on your welfare, who get on your medical aid, who get on the dole, who take up space in prison, mm-hmm. and it all costs the American taxpayer money. Yeah. Prisons, hospitals, schools, all these places. And then also, sir, it seems to me that the um, the question people ask year after year after year, why is it that 
the Democrat Party that runs all the major cities in the United States. They're all Democrat enclaves. A Republican couldn't get elected dog catcher in not a single major American city. And yet and still, there's all this poverty that they've been claiming that they're going to solve. Uh, it seems to me that there's no plan to solve it because if the cloud Piven strategy is to work on a twofold front, internal and external, external, bring them in from South America, internal, make sure that they stay poor in the inner cities. Would, would that shed light on the why of it? Why can the Democrats not solve these problems? They're not trying to. They're not trying to solve them. and It's working in their favor. Yeah, yeah. You got a bunch of people that are not only angry and will always vote Democrat, but are over literally overwhelming the system financially. What is wrong with Republicans? This seems like common sense to you and I. What's wrong with Republicans that they can't see this? Well, it's a busy time and a lot of they're not they're not stupid people. They're just not picking up on the big picture. And that's what this paper was all about. Give them the big picture and let them see what's going on and where it fits into that big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, they can make their own decisions then. Mm-hmm. So would you say this is one of the reasons why Trump got elected? Because Republicans have not been hearing this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this 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 big swamp, I think another thing is that they care more about their power and their money than they do about the nation. And so their focus is on the short term, their personal power, and their focus is not on the long term, i.e. the nation. Well, that's always been the case with politicians. You can go all the way back. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, we're up against another quick break, but when we come back, folks, we'll have stage three of this Soviet plan to destabilize the United States of America. We'll be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Carrying the weight of the world But I only have two hands Hope I get the chance to travel the world But I don't have any plans Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. I am coming back at you live, folks, here on America's big dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. My special guest, I have to call him Brother Doc, okay? And uh, because, look, if we tell him who you are, he might have to shoot you. He's just that big a deal. <laughs> I had to throw that in, sir. You're, you're that big a deal to me, I tell you. I just... Uh, well, you're I'm, the only one I hope. <laughs> my life has been so blessed having you in it so i just i appreciate all the uh you know all the years of the wisdom you've shared and uh it's an honor to me to be able to have you on the program again to share uh some of your wisdom with my audience and well let me very quickly pick the audience up with john dewey one more time mm -hmm. You know, John Dewey said there is no God and there is no soul. Hence, there is no need for the props of traditional religion. With dogma and creed excluded, then immutable truth is death and buried, dead and buried. There is no room for fixed and natural law or permanent moral absolutes. 
And this is the father, mm-hmm. literally the father of progressive education in the United States yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, of course. I can remember being in school. Uh, John Dewey was lionized. I mean, the Dewey Decimal System, he was, we, he, we were taught that he was this really, really great guy, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I learned the truth about him uh, much later in life. And, uh, and, you know, and that's the Demo- Democrat Party position on God. And you have other stuff in here from Lenin. I, I made some notes here. God, guns, and medicine. All right. The big things that the Democrat Party push, they, they are anti-God, they're anti-gun, and they're, it, you know, that their, their position on medicine is that they should be in control of it, which goes, uh, all the way back to Plato. But in modern times, uh, you know, it goes to Lenin, uh, 102 years ago. Uh, the uh, 1917 revolution. Yep. It was Lenin that said one man with a gun can control a hundred without one. So that's why they want us without them. Absolutely. <laughs> it's about control. <laughs> now, tell and them medicine about on medicine. The other, yeah. Medicine on the other side, uh, Lenin said medicine's the keystone of the arch to socialism. Lenin knew that in order to control the masses, you needed to control their very being, their very body, if you would. Mm-hmm. The very basis of freedom is freedom of self. Yeah, yeah. And so if they have po- the power of life and death over you, uh, then they pretty much they have you. And if you don't think that much of yourself or if you want to be noble, then they have power of life and death over your grandmother and over your children. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I've told yeah. people the story of how when my grandmother was 86, they told us to uh, take her home and let her die. L- literally said that I was in the room when the doctor said it. And, well, they said it in milder language, but that's, you know, the shorthand version, that's what they said. And we insisted, well, I insisted on a third opinion, went to another hospital, got a third opinion found out she did not have cancer, and my grandmother is no longer 86. She's now 99, okay? God bless her. Yeah. See, here she'll be 100 on Election Day. And uh, too bad she's not going to vote Republican. (laughs) I love her anyway. (laughs) Well, the last last stages that I point to out of uh, Besmanov's plan were normalization. Right. And we see ourselves moving towards socialism. Mm -hmm. And if you want to understand why you move towards socialism, Lenin said the goal of socialism is communism. Mm -hmm. Period. Simple as that. A small step in a big direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you write also that the TSA pat-downs at the uh, airport... The limiting behaviors in certain ways, you know, it's okay to have smoke marijuana, but it's not okay to smoke tobacco, intrusion into your privacy. All these things are like little small things that you accept. And so this is how normalization occurs, because psychologically you think, well, the government is doing this for my own good. Exactly. Exactly. Now. When we look around ourselves today and we see the lack of freedom of conservative speech, say, on campuses, mm-hmm. why would that be? Well, Vladimir Lenin once again pointed out, why should freedom of speech and freedom of the press be allowed? Mm-hmm. Why should a government, which is doing what it believes to be right, 
allow itself to be criticized. Mm. Doesn't that sound like Democrats? Doesn't that sound like somebody we know? Yes. <laughs> it sounds kind of familiar. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It would not allow opposition by lethal weapons, and he writes, ideas are much more fatal things than guns. Now, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 powerful. And, and this is what we're up against. Yeah. Now, you also well, write about Ayers and Dorn. Ayers and Dorn and Klonsky. I really enjoy Klonsky. He's little known. But the reason I like him is he's more radical to the left. He is a full-blown communist. He is acknowledged as a fraternal brother by the Chinese communists. And he was appointed to, (laughs) believe it or not, Let me see if I can just pick this up out of the paper very quickly. He was appointed by Bill Clinton as one of the leaders of the uh, National Campaign Against Youth Violence or the National Academy Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. So Bill Clinton takes a full-blown raving, I mean raving, Mm -hmm communist and puts him on an advisory council for education. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Obama doing the same thing with the guy that was uh, open homosexual, uh, put him on the school safety board. Yeah, these these guys are something. Now, can you hold for one last segment? This will be the last one, I promise. I can hold. All right. Well, all right, folks, we're going to take another quick break here, and we will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Smiling faces sometimes pretend to be your friend. Smiling faces show no traces of the evil that lurks within. Smiling faces. That's right. You tell them, James Brown. This is Man's World Radio, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live, folks, wrapping up our first hour with our fantastic guest, my very dear friend and mentor, uh, whom we're just going to call Brother Doc. And uh, Brother Doc, thank you so much. This has really, really been great. And, uh, you know, I I would like to uh, close it out with a Bible verse uh, here from Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, the Lord, and this is uh, as punishment for violating things that God has taught in, in, in the leadership of our nation. And we who elect these leaders, you know, we're guilty of these things. It says the Lord will bring a nation from afar from the ends of the earth to swoop down upon you like an eagle, a nation whose language you will not understand, a heartless a ruthless, a stern, fierce nation with no respect for old and no pity for the young. Are we back at that place again, sir? I think we are. I I, I don't really believe that the American public 
is willing to roll over. All we have to do is shine a light of truth on the leftist plan for America and who's really promoting it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's why I do this program, because I don't think we're ready to roll over and die either. And I, I put out one interesting dilemma to consider in the paper. Mm-hmm. In, in my action area? Yes. I point out that Jimmy Carter's education department is, in my estimation, unconstitutional, should have been done away with long ago. Yet it still exists. So why shouldn't we use that Department of Education to withhold federal monies from those institutions of learning that prevent the execution of the First Amendment to the Constitution, freedom of speech. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you there. Uh, I'm in favor of 100% school choice, voucherize the whole country, which would have to be done on a state-by-state basis. That's an interesting thought, too. Yeah, yeah, but Trump's uh, Department of Education could be instrumental in prodding that process along. One of the things that I was shocked, I was shocked, and that takes something, (laughs) to find out was that the most assigned economist in U.S. universities, who is it? Well, it's Karl Marx. Oh, wow. (laughs) And one of the three most Horrific, if you would, assigned texts in the universities of the United States, one of the three top, Yeah, the Communist Manifesto. Oh, wow. That's something. And is that now, we've got like 15 seconds, uh, so quick answer. Is that to critique it or to embrace it? Yes, but who's <laughs> going to talk against that instructor? 